welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed grain green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing our top 10 national park bucket list adventures and adventures that are still on our list. Yeah, your neck crack? Yeah. Ugh, it hurts. Need to go to the chiropractor. No, I don't. Need a neck massage. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, please. So, I'm surprised you're so stressed out with your neck cracking after we went... I'm not stressed out. Okay. Well... After we went... After we went to two different awesome blog events... You want to talk about those? Why would that not make my neck crack? I don't know. I was just trying to connect something. <laughs> it was really smooth. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we've had two fun weeks. Kind of like a back-to-back um, back-to-back weekends. One was in the middle of the week, though. Um, so last weekend, if you've been following along on our stuff, on our social media and on our website, we've been talking a little bit about this cool place called Indiana Dunes. Yeah, and we connected with the Indiana Dunes Visitors Bureau uh, beginning of the summer and did a lot of work to plan this awesome trip to uh, experience the dunes over a weekend, but also all the awesome rest of the stuff that they have there. Yeah, so the whole Indiana Dunes region is more than just the the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, which is one of the parts... It also consists of the state park and a bunch of smaller parks and the city, you know, a bunch of cities and their historic areas and Valparaiso, Indiana, uh, which is a little nice little college town. Um, And these random festivals that they always have going on. Yeah, there's so much going on. It was really, really fun. Yeah, lots of area of the lakeshore and kayaking spots. We did two of those that were not in any sort of dune park but still awesome so it was fun to expand our horizons yeah and it's still a national park the the indiana dunes national lakeshore is in the national park service so we still got a little bit of national parks in and we got a little we expanded our um minds a little bit to some other parks in the area so it was a really fun weekend and then last week after only I had one day to of unpacking and then repacking and just me I went down to Springfield Missouri for another event we got invited to which was the grand opening of this aquarium in Springfield Missouri connected to the Bass Pro Shops which is headquartered there uh, called Wonders of Wildlife and it is the largest uh wildlife exhibit in the world i think something like that it's it's really really crazy big (laughs) it's three hundred and fifty thousand square feet new addition and it's a part wildlife museum with with like taxidermied um animals all set up it's like a they call it a 4d experience because not only is it like all these really intricate 
exhibits, but you also, you walk in and there are smells and sounds and light shows and things that just totally immerse you into the exhibits. And then the aquarium with all of the live animals is also the coolest aquarium I've ever been in. They had uh, just all these places where you could walk underneath and like feel like you're inside it and... We're not being paid to say this. It was just really awesome. And talk about this huge event, like this grand opening. The spectacle of it all was almost as cool, uh, I I would imagine, because I didn't get to go. Yeah, Mark Uh, Wahlberg was there. Yeah, I (laughs) was busy. I was busy with school, but yeah, Marky Mark, and then Ryan Zinke. Oh yeah, Secretary Secretary of of the the Interior. Interior. I got to see him talk to children. He did a dive. And answered a bunch of questions about uh, the his his job in the national park. And system. how many presidents were coming for the gala after you got kicked out? I don't know. I I, I know George Bush spoke. I don't know who else. Yeah. A couple others, I think. Former presidents. <laughs> no current presidents. So it was a big deal, and Switchback Kids were part of the press corps, and. Then there was also this whole other entourage of people going down there. Um, For the gala, which I didn't yeah, get to go to. <laughs> right, the day after. But it was really cool to be a part of it. It's obviously something that, you know, Springfield's really proud of. They're a pretty small city. I mean, not real. they're not really that small. Um, third biggest city in Missouri. But they, it just, it, they're just very proud of it. And Johnny Morris, the the founder of Bass Pro Shops, he has done a ton for conservation um, efforts in the country, and he's really well-respected in that way. So it was just really cool to connect kind of this, uh, this indoor exhibit with, like, the, the outdoors that are then being protected by uh, attending this museum. I didn't really say that really well, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Sure. So why don't we go ahead and get to our topic for the day. We are going through our top 10 bucket list adventures. Yeah, so this is like our Hall of Fame, our National Parks Hall of Fame during our year, visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. And what's funny is that the whole idea for our year visiting the parks came out of us just brainstorming and pipe dreaming about our bucket list. Yeah, and I, for example, I had never been to the Grand Canyon, so that was on my quote-unquote bucket list. Like, I wanted to see the Grand Canyon, and I wanted to see Yosemite, what everyone was always talking about, Yosemite. And what, I think what we found out, and what we experienced at these places, it it was more than just seeing, like stepping foot inside the park or snap, you know, seeing the sign. It, it's about some of these big things that we just kind of dove into in inside the parks that we will always remember. Yeah, so these are our most dramatic, most memorable, impressionable. Impressive. When yeah, I talk. Yeah. Whenever impressive. I want to brag about myself, I talk about number five on our <laughs> okay. list. that's your little clickbait (laughs) (laughs) so let's just jump in sure we're gonna start with number 10 we did sort of rank these in order of 
um, badassness. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that so on the podcast? N- number 10, Under the Rim at Bryce Canyon. This Under the Rim is a long trail. It's about it's 26, two miles. 22 miles. Yes. And we... Did the whole thing on a backpacking trip. We added on another uh, bit before that in a, a little eight-mile loop or something. So it was around 30, 32 miles total for us, and we camped two nights on the way. Yeah, so the cool thing about this trail for you know logistics purposes is that it's one way. It's 22 miles one way, but they have a free shuttle. So that you don't have to backtrack at all. You can just take the shuttle out to the end and then hike your 22 miles back to your car. Yep. So it works out really well. The, um, this, the, the, the Bryce Canyon was funny because when we were in the visitor center and talking to the ranger, getting the permit, the ranger was, you know, bless all the rangers, first of all. Because they talk to people all day who have no idea what they're doing. Um, but they they kind of warned us about... The scenery that we would see on this trail that, that so you're not gonna see any hoodoos they you said know it was that right underwhelming they're like yeah. this it's not a really scenic trail um and we're like yeah that's fine like we still want to do it um it was beautiful i don't yeah. know what they were trying to warn us against but it was a gorgeous hike and the two campsites that we camped out both nights were some of the best backpacking uh backcountry sites we experienced all year for sure so number nine, watching the sunrise at Cadillac Mountain. Yes. This one has a special place Acadia in Elizabeth's Acadia National heart. Park. My favorite, dare I say, possibly favorite national park, watching the sunrise, Cadillac Mountain. It's one of those iconic, classic things that you just have to do. And I wanted to put this on the list because I feel like it's really something that everybody can do because you can drive up the mountain you can all you have to do is get up early drive up the mountain make sure you have enough layers because it's really cold (laughs) Um, but the cool thing about it is that it's the first bit of sunlight that the whole U.S. receives um, for about eight months of the year I think for most of the year ow doing that to my arm so It was great. I loved it. You didn't want to put it on the list. I might have I just put think other stuff. It's a cool factor. Yeah. It's like the, oh, unique factor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful, too. It's, you see, you get to see the ocean coming up over the rocks. Not the ocean. The sun, <laughs> yeah, the ocean. Just the sun tidal up. wave. <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah, it was... Um, really cool. Just the whole environment, the early morning feel. You have the camaraderie of all the people around you. Um, it would maybe be better if there weren't any people around you, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It pretty, is what it is. Pretty packed. And uh, yeah, just the first rays of morning sun glowing. You know, the the treetops glowing and the lakes shimmering. Just beautiful. Definitely worth getting up early for. Um, at least one day when you're in Acadia. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight was a happy coincidence that we just, we had planned our trip to Death Valley. And then we discovered that it was the once in a decade super bloom that year, that time of year that we were already heading there. 
Yeah, and the super bloom happened in about February into March, maybe. And we were there in more of the early March, I think. So it was past peak. Yeah, a little past peak, but we still. We, as we were getting closer to Death Valley, we kept seeing all these incredible pictures of people posting just fields of gold wall-to-wall flowers. And uh, it was so cool to see that, but also know that we were going to be there in just a few days. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was gorgeous, you know, un, hard to believe that there are so many wildflowers in a place like Death Valley but we did a flower walk one day as the ranger program and that was really informative certain people super passionate about flowers about yourself yes (laughs) certain (laughs) people loves flowers he always points out the flowers there's a there's a name i never know the name of the flowers there's a name for the flower people maybe it's just flower people no it's like leaf uh, peepers, right? When you look at leaves, that's a that's not flower people though. Yeah, I know. I'm okay. I can't think of who the leaves like and wildflower bir- you know, chasers. Birders. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they are. Uh, it drew people from all around the country. All these flower people. And what you was were cool, finally at home, returned to the mothership. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because it's like, and Death Valley itself is a superlative sort of place to go. It's the it's the lowest, hottest, driest place in the United States. Um, how it's like two hundred and something feet below sea level, I believe. Um, Badwater Basin, which is the lowest point, and so just being there at this like really unique, interesting park, and then also have something like the Super Bloom happening, where you you know you're with everybody else in witnessing this incredible event just really cool to be a part of because most of the time we were visiting parks in the off season pretty off you know pretty uh uncrowded pretty like unique situations but this this was definitely crowded but it also was centered around this cool event so yeah every, there was good. just a palpable excitement in the air mm-hmm. and what I enjoyed was that the bloom basically transitioned up the valley. So at first in February, it was really low, you know, bad water basin area with all these golden flowers. And then it got into the middle elevations of the valley. And as it went up, it got into like different variations of the flowers. So even after we were gone, it was still hitting peak, but just for different areas. And amazing that just this perfect combination of rain months ago, like back in October, from what they said, made all these seeds germinate. And all at once, you know, these seeds that had been dormant for a few years had uh, all, all bloomed. And it was the biggest bloom in about a decade. Mm-hmm. So we were lucky, very lucky. Yep, definitely. Number seven. This one is another kind of happy accident. Um, We got to take a scenic flight in a bush plane over Olympic National Park. And it was incredible. It was the first time we had been in a tiny little plane like that. 
Um, I think there were five of us, maybe six of us um, passengers. And we got to fly really, you know, it seemed like we were really low, like right at the tips of the mountains. Um, And of course, we visited Olympic in May, early May. So it was all snowed over still. We couldn't really do any hiking in any in the upper elevation areas. So this was a perfect way to see the mountains because we couldn't really hike in them. So it was a way to really see them up close, covered in snow, um, just beautiful. The Wright Brothers was the company, right? Wright Brothers Aviation. Yep. Yeah, so they were awesome, gave us a, an amazing tour, like like she said, just over these incredible snow-capped mountains that reached for miles and miles, pointed out all this stuff uh, you know, along the coast, too, because we flew over... Port Angeles, where we left from, and saw the the valleys, you know, the rivers, the Elwha River, which famously had a dam taken out of it uh, about a year, sometime before we got there, and it was the first time we'd done anything like that yeah, in and a it, small plane. It was free, so full disclosure, but yeah. we... I. I feel like it's a really good way to see more of the national parks when you can't access them as easily in the off season. So like I would, I think I would do that again. I think I would pay for it for sure. Um, it's honestly, just a, it, like no matter, it's just a different perspective. And it's like, if, if that's your style and that's what you want to value, then I, I totally think it, it would be worth it to me. Yeah. Honestly, it, when we heard the prices, it wasn't as expensive as I thought. Nope. Yeah, and little did we know that we were going to see that over and over and over again in Alaska in a couple <laughs> months. But this, it was the first, our first experience with that, and I really think it was a cool one. That might be one of the reasons why I say Olympic is maybe my top. I wonder why those two are on the list. A lot yep. of our top ten are on the list, I think. Yep. Maybe. So, you know, maybe another one of those top 10, Zion, where we did the subway hike. So that is number six, the subway, which is the nickname for Left Forks Trail, um, which is, right, Left Fork, shoot. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's Left Fork Trail. Okay. Uh, so basically not in the Zion main valley, but you have to go out of the park and then go back in and go to this trailhead and you drop down into this canyon and you're following it all the way um, about five, four miles It's about nine miles back. round trip. Yeah. yeah. And you're crossing all these waterfalls, like climbing up these waterfalls, crisscrossing this the creek. creek. Yeah, and then you finally get to the portion they called the subway, and it's an, a surprisingly short portion, but it looks just like a subway, just like parentheses uh, along the canyon walls, and it's really magical just how it, you know, the, the colors play together with the water that's streaming down and the shape. Um, just certain times of day when it catches the light just really bring it make it special and the cool thing is you're most likely to be pretty much alone 
because they only issue a certain amount of permits every day to hike it. So it's not one of those hikes where it's going to be really crowded. Um, definitely look into the permits. We got ours on the spot. We happened to get them for like get in get walk-in permits. There's also a lottery. There's also tickets in advance if you know when you're going to be in Zion. Um, so definitely plan ahead with this. But it's if you can get a permit, it's super worth it. And there's some great, great swimming holes along the way too. So make sure you bring a swimsuit. And or don't. It, or, what does that mean? Just swim in your underwear. Oh, Who okay. cares? Who cares? You're not gonna go sw- skinny Mr. dipping, Mister Judgy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'll be walking through the water anyway, so you'll be getting wet. Uh, so yeah, embrace super it. Super fun. Super fun. Number five. Number five. Wild Cave Tour. This is my um, one of my most impressive things that I think I accomplished. Wild Cave Tour at Mammoth Cave National Park. So the Wild Cave Tour is the most extreme tour that they give there. They have a bunch of warnings on the website when you're signing up. You know, this is an extreme tour very you know, strenuous you should be in very good physical condition but you, you should know, not be uh your no part of your body should exceed 42 inches in circumference but you guys know how the nps tends to say you know overworn of course be overcautious with certain things like this like they called the narrows extremely strenuous mm-hmm. and i didn't think that was very strenuous they called the subway very strenuous and that's not a strenuous trail but so I was, we were, we kind of went into it thinking like, okay, it's going to be like national park strenuous, which is hard, but not like crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. We were army crawling through like two feet of space through and, and six inches of that space was filled up with water. So you were, oh, it was just, and you're like head to toe with other people can't see anything. Can't go backwards for can't sure. Go, can't go backwards. Like, hopefully, nothing happens. Hopefully, oh, it it was fine. I just had to really do a lot of like calm talk in my head. <laughs> Deep breaths. Like it's okay. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I'm not freaking out. I'm fine. Like I had to say that over and over yeah. again, and it was hard. I was like drenched in sweat because you have to wear these full coveralls. Um, that are like thick canvas and then you're like exerting so much energy that you're sweating and oh it was hard I loved it I know you did (laughs) it was hard you're squeezing through tiny little holes you're like wiggling where you have no place to like push off of you're just like wiggling until your boobs get through it's so much fun it was fine it was fine I'm glad I did it I will not do it again and my parents actually went with us, uh, and my sister, and my. And they did great. Yeah, they they did great. They I think they liked it a lot. Um, my dad, Your however, sister was born to be a caver. Yeah, my sister is very. She's like a mole. She's like. Well, that doesn't make her sound very. Well, that's not what appealing. I meant. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a little shorter in stature and can maneuver through these places very easily. She's petite, and yeah. She's she. My mom is she the just same. Works her way through, and she's strong too. So like, great, yeah, great yeah, sense of adventure. She looked like the the guy who was guiding us. They were built in the same way, almost. Yeah, in a good way. 
my dad was not built like that. He has a little bigger chest and could not uh, probably like 43 inches and they only recommended 42 and they uh, he definitely got stuck for a while in one of the tightest squeezes and after he got through there and we just happened to be crossing back on the main path of the cave before we dove back into the um, depths he, he took his leave from the yeah, tour they, right there they, they have a very smart way of doing that navigating that where you can leave if you want to um because it gets too much for people well which and is understandable i would totally say that you should read the rules and not <laughs> go and measure yourself if you think you're close and not go if you're if you exceed anywhere close to 42 inches because you will get stuck i took me a long time to get through that hole that same hole yeah, we did about... I did not think my butt was getting through. <laughs> we it did, did eventually. about six miles of the cave, I believe, in about six hours, mm-hmm. I think. And um, it was... It felt like 12. Yeah, it yeah, was hard. It definitely it was, felt longer. It was a longer. full day. I needed a nap for sure, but it was good. Like I said, very glad I did it. And one of the craziest things on the, was on that tour somebody um there was a place so besides the place where you had to army crawl another kind of tricky place was where you had to put your hands out uh and like brace yourself against this uh wall with a gap like a chasm underneath you uh and shuffle along this ledge and one person tried to not put their hands out and brace themselves but just shuffle because they didn't want to lean against the wall lean out against the wall it was scary and they fell and it was about a i don't know probably eight foot drop um but they kind of hurt themselves and it they we had to all go back like we couldn't finish the tour because we all went back to a pickup point and somebody had to come down to get us yeah we've not uh, seen... and everybody was getting cold because we were all wet and people the tour guides started worrying about hypothermia so it was a uh, really interesting to see the guides in action in a very stressful situation yeah they did great they yeah were, you could tell like they're just super prepared and um it was crazy she, every everyone was fine but it was it was pretty crazy it's no joke so uh, this is our recommendation with an asterisk. Yep. <laughs> okay. Number Shall four. We go on? Yeah, number four does not need any type of asterisk. No, number four is so close to our hearts. It forever is. Forever and ever and ever. Camping at Wonder Lake and waking up to the site of Denali in Denali National Park, oh, of course. Oh, Denali National Park. So this was our 59th national park. This is our last national park. So just entering the park at all was a huge feat for us. So we felt like we were walking on cloud nine the whole time because we had we knew we had just accomplished our mission. So anything that we did from there on was like bonus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we planned two nights. We booked it far in advance. We planned two nights at Wonder Lake, took the camper shuttle back. It was super cloudy, super rainy. Um, we looked at the forecast. It was supposed to be cloudy for the next like four days, all of our time at Denali. But we had still had smiles on our faces. We were just kind of going along. So the first day we saw no Denali, um, which, by the way, only 30% of visitors actually see the mountain at all, which is crazy. 
And also they, most of them spend less than 24 hours in the park. Um, so that's probably why. But uh, day two, we wake up at Wonder Lake where we camped. We don't really know where we've positioned our tent because we can't see Denali, even though there's supposed to be this like amazing view from the campground. Uh, still super cloudy. We take the we catch the shuttle. We go a little off to um, Isleson Visitor Center where we hike a lot and do some ranger programs, then go back. We, we see a partial view yeah. during that day, and we were super excited about that. Right, partial view of Denali. We're like, this is it. We saw it. Like check. You know, like we, we felt so accomplished. We saw a little bit of the slope. And then on our final morning, we, so we camped two nights. On our final morning, Cole got up to go to the bathroom at like four, four in the morning. Yeah. And it was sunrise because it's Alaska. And uh, he's like, oh my gosh, Elizabeth, you have to come out here right now. Come out here right now. And it's like silent in the campground. So there's no commotion, no anything. I don't know really what I'm I like I think he sees an animal like there were moose the day before roaming around the the campsite so I open the tent door and just like filling the the tent door like we did not know where we positioned our tent but it was could not have been more perfect we I zipped it open there it was no clouds no anything just a full view of Denali with just like the most pleasant pink in the background. Uh, Denali plus the whole uh, range along it. It was uh, amazing. You know, you could see all of the mountains around it. Uh, we could not go back to sleep at all, so we just immediately got up I wanted and to started <laughs> running around. I wanted to bang get, pots and pans yeah. and be like, guys, wake up, guys, yeah. wake up, you can see it. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> and some people were awake. They yeah. were definitely taking it into. We went to Wonder Lake itself from the campground. Right beside it is Wonder Lake and got to a place where we were looking over the uh, lake with the reflection and the, um, a- and the mountain as the sun rose and got some amazing pictures there was a little mist on the lake because it was very you know that early morning mist um we just just magical moment like cannot explain cannot real super describe it but it's just insane the anticipation made it so much more worth it too if we had seen, seen that our first day i don't think it would have been as impactful as like literally our last three hours in the in the back of the park, and you can't see Denali at all from the very front of the park at the at the main visitor center. So you have to really get into the park, like Isleson Wonder Lake, to see the view, and that's where we were for the last few hours. We soaked it in. Yeah. It's- it's nothing something we'll not ever forget just because it's it's it was our last park and it was our last you know few moments and there it was perfect something else we'll never forget yeah number three we got to sleep inside of a volcano yes haleakala national park we backpacked down into haleakala crater so from the very top 
10,000 something feet. We um, drove all the way up there, which was, you know, that was the easy part. Then we hiked down the sliding sands trail, basically this whole uh, slope of sands and volcanic rock. And just black. It was weird, weird terrain, but beautiful. And you just imagine like black rock with like orange streaks going through it. And you're Um, descending straight into the heart of this crater. So it's all enveloping you on either side. And then you get down in the bottom and then you just kind of go up and around and over all of this volcanic terrain area. There are little cinder cones that have formed from when the volcano tried to restart itself. There's a few nene, the Hawaiian state bird, uh, waddling around at different uh, picnic Yeah, they were very uh, like friendly. Spots. And basically, we got all the way back to the other side of the crater against this area where nobody ever goes. It's blocked off for scientific research and preservation. And that's where our camp was at the very yeah, far end. Yeah, I think end. it's called Poliku. Yes. Right. And these wilderness cabins are super cool. There are three within the crater that you can reserve, and they fill up like years in advance. So it's really hard to get a, a permit to, to camp in the wilderness ca- cabins, but you can also camp with a tent, which didn't wasn't, I don't think it was even filled when we went Um so that that was pretty easy but again if you don't want to bring all of your gear to hawaii which is i don't blame you um this was a really good alternative the cabins are an awesome alternative where you don't really have to carry much um you can still experience sleeping in the crater and then on day two we hiked about 10 miles uh it was a loop so we hiked about 10 miles up and out of the crater we didn't quite have to go all the way back up to the summit because you can, there's like a shuttle car, like a, a designated hitch, hitch hiker. <laughs> I'll say it right, hitchhiker spot that you can wait wait for a car to bring you all the way up, and then you can drive your car back down. So um, that's what we did, and it worked out fine. That's what the rangers recommended that we do because people are always driving up to the summit. You'll most likely catch someone on on their way up. So. Almost as big of a moment as Denali for me. I don't know. It might have been. Might have been better. Better. I, I, it's pretty crazy. Number two, kayaking with humpback whales, sea otters, and sea lions in Glacier Bay National Park. So this national park is in Alaska. It is, you know, you go to Juneau, which you have to ferry to Juneau from Skagway if you drive there ferry to Juneau, and then you ferry to a place called uh, Gustavus, and you go from Gustavus, bus a little bit to the National Park Lodge Visitor Center area, and that's where we were had our home base. Spent a few days there, but one of the days, my favorite, was when we rented a really, uh, <laughs> really sleek super cool double kayak not like any not like our inflatable kayak at all much more (laughs) easy to paddle cut through the water a little better more efficient than our inflatable and um we i mean the wildlife show just 
commenced from the very beginning. Insane. I mean, we saw a whale right away. We saw we kind of saw a group of kayaks, like a guided tour, um, around a spot, and we got somewhat close, and we could see the whale right there. Um, we saw whales like almost pop up right next to our kayak or like swim right near us. Um, yeah, we were a little worried that they were going to come up right under the kayak. Right, because we heard that they don't see the kayaks. They just kind of rise up, so you got to get out of the way. <laughs> um, we also, we were paddling along. Basically, it was tide was going up. Mm-hmm. So, and it was kind of like a current. So there were sea otters literally just like floating on their backs down this current while the tide was going out next to us. A sea lion popped up right in front of our kayak. Uh, we, we saw, saw a lot of bald eagles. We saw a couple bears on yeah, the shore. Yeah, walking along the shore. Um, mm-hmm. It was the the most amazing wild. It was like being in a zoo, except all, none of the animals are sad. <laughs> <laughs> and again on the tide, that was just a cool thing to be in the kayak doing because it goes so fast. It... Um, you know, it rushes in to fill the inlet because uh, it's really steep, right? Yeah. Well, I think it because it's it, the terrain is very flat. Like the mm-hmm. sea bottom is very flat. So once it gets to a certain point, it rushes in over that flatness to get all the way back to the uh, back of the fjord. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense for anybody, kind of. So the the current is like a current. It's like a river just rushing uh and us along with the sea otters really enjoyed that um but by far my favorite part was when we started hearing this big smack oh that's gonna be really loud look how long that line is on the on the recording there (laughs) i'm gonna have to change that it's gonna blow people's eardrums out (laughs) so we heard this smack You want me to do it again? No. Okay, that's a little, that's a lot better of a line. Okay. And we at first thought it was the the glaciers at the back of the the inlet calving. And we, we just kept paddling for a while. And then we kept hearing it again and again. And finally, we turned a corner and we saw this gigantic humpback whale coming all the way out of the water and smacking down on the water with a huge bang and that was you know that's the whale breaching we had no idea that's what the sound was but it was and we were like we're never going to see anything like that again in our whole lives like it was not very far away from us we could see it we could hear it we could like just witnessed the whole thing, experienced the whole thing, and we just sat there like in awe. Like that's the craziest thing that's ever going to happen to us. And then it happens again and again and again and about like ten times. We're just sitting here watching this whale breaching and jumping and oh my gosh. Must have been like exercise calisthenics day for the <laughs> <laughs> for the humpbacks. Yeah, aerobics class. Yeah. Uh, and they don't know why they do that, by the way. They don't know why they breach, but uh, I know that it is an incredible sight, and we caught it on video. It's not, you know, you're 
super close-up video, but for us it was amazing. So that's on our uh, website if you search the Glacier Va- Glacier Bay video. Yeah, and it's just I'm sure that the so there's a cruise that goes out from the the lodge that we contemplated taking. It goes all the way back to the actual glacier, which we did not really get to see the glaciers at Glacier Bay, which is ironic, but. I just don't think it's the same experience. And I know it's not because we took a a similar cruise at Kenai Fjords where we were seeing all these whales and wildlife from the boat. And it's just, it's definitely not the same when a whole bunch of people are rushing with their cameras to the the, uh, railings to get a glimpse as opposed to you being on the water level. Nobody else is around and you are just like feeling all of these things. Um, it just super different perspective. Yeah. I use the word magical maybe too much, uh, describing the national parks, but this was truly magical. Um, never forget it. And number one. Number one, our rim to rim to rim hike at the Grand Canyon. And dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this was Elizabeth's first trip to the Grand Canyon. It was. It was a big one. We hiked. So we spent a couple days exploring the South Rim. We uh, did a little bike ride to uh, Hermit's Rest along the road. We did, uh, got to see a lot of the overlooks, got to do some of the shorter trails. And then on our third morning with my sister, she joined us, which was super fun. We hiked down South Kaibab Trail about 14 miles on the first day to Cottonwood Campground, and then we hiked up the North Rim on the second day uh, about seven miles up and camped at the North Rim uh, in the North Rim Campground, which was beautiful. Day three, about 14 miles from the North Rim down, 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 down to Bright Angel Campground. Uh, which is right near the near Phantom Ranch, near the Colorado River. And on uh, the final day, hiked about nine miles up and out along the Bright Angel Trail. So four big days of hiking, lots of sore legs, but some of the most incredible views we've ever seen and just a really cool thing to experience. Yeah. From start to finish, sleeping inside, the, like being inside the Grand Canyon is just... It's when you when you stand at the rim, it's amazing. It's vast. It's like seems like it's endless. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> when you're hiking, it seems like it's endless too. But when you're standing at the very bottom and you're seeing all the vegetation and you're seeing the river and you're seeing uh, just like looking up at the canyon walls, it's I don't know. It's just different. And it's also really captivating and proof of what a force the canyon is you know the canyon you there are barely uh, well in the main part of it there are no bridges across you know there's no way to get from one side of to the other besides walking through it and it's um you know just such a marvel of nature that is you know really humbles you 
um, both in its beauty and in its challenge. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely one of those things we're the most proud of out of our whole mm-hmm. trip. And the and I think it's one of the things, well, at least when I get kind of defensive about it, too. Yeah. Because I've heard people refer to hiking down the South Kaibab Trail and up Bright Angel Trail as rim to rim. Yeah. But it's the same rim. So I don't think that counts. I don't think it counts unless you go all the way across to the other rim. <laughs> can I? Can I? Is that right? That's right, right? Yeah. It's still an impressive an impressive hike, for sure. It's not a rim to rim. It's certainly not a rim to rim to rim. Preach. I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, yeah, just never will forget it. Definitely always will be in our Hall of Fame. You At know, the top. The top of our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Featured in gold. <laughs> Featured? Featured. Gold? Some of those things that may not be at our hall at the top of our hall of fame just because there's only so much room at the top are our honorable mentions oh my gosh our top 10 lists are hilarious because they're more like 25 (laughs) yeah we give you the 10 and then we give you 10 more at least honorable mentions so we'll go through those pretty fast yes we will go for it you can go first all right so american samoa just as a whole a place we would never go um, otherwise, just because, you know, it's not the, the a huge tourist destination. So we're really glad that we got the excuse to go visit there, meet the amazing people, the family we stayed with, and see, you know, the incredible beaches and the mountains and the whole mm, island is basically a rainforest. Mm-hmm. So cool backpacking along the spine of isle royal that was another one of our huge backpacking trips which we'll be talking about actually in a couple weeks um when we talk about our long hikes and really just a super interesting way to see the island most people just kind of ferry in and do a little hiking around one one end or the other seeing the whole thing backpacking across the 40 something miles um was just really muddy and <laughs> and mosquito-y, but also beautiful. <laughs> Driving the Trail Ridge Road, Rocky Mountain National Park, was one of the coolest drives, for sure, that we had in the National Park. Um, you know, it wasn't the most... It's a drive, so it wasn't the biggest adventure, but being on the highest road, continuous road, in the U.S. is super cool. And it's all snowed in by now, by the way, so... It's not, just not, not snowed in. Well, I don't whatever. know where you're getting that idea. Whatever. I keep telling people that. It is... It, <laughs> it was it, all snowy it got, in the picture you showed it me. It got snow. Yeah. <laughs> so, it snowed there. <laughs> yeah, I guess drive, drive on it now before it snows in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh one of the other cool things we did was see was just kind of a classic classic national park adventure was to watch old faithful erupt and we watched it about six or seven times in the same day it erupts every 90 minutes faithfully and uh we arrived super early when we were one of only about six people standing there watching it and then we hiked all around saw a bunch of the other geysers a bunch of the other uh geothermal features and then 
kept coming back and circling around and then, you know, reading about it in the visitor center and then seeing it again. And we just spent our whole day here and in this area of of, uh, Yellowstone National Park. And it was one of those things that it got more crowded as the day went on, but it still felt special. Watching the bears at Katmai National Park. That's the big draw of the park. Packed during July and September with people and bears. And it did not disappoint at all. They were coming through camp. They were popping up along the trail. They were fishing you know, in the shallows and also trying to stab the fish uh, out of the air at the waterfall. So incredible to see that many bears and that consistent uh, number of bears at once. Mm-hmm. Seeing the north, so this one's not actually in the national park, but we saw the northern lights on our way home from Alaska, driving through Canada, and it was just kind of a surprise. We had not seen them. We, we visited in the summer when they have really long days, so we, we were pretty sure we weren't going to see the northern lights, um, so it came as a total surprise when we were driving, you know, in late into the night until about 2 a.m., we got south enough just to where there was a night, <laughs> there was like a pitch blackness, and we were pulling over to uh, sleep for the night and opened the door and there it was like clear as day the wisp of the green it was and we tried to take a phone picture with our iphone which didn't work <laughs> um but we just like stared at it because i was i don't know something like it's gone so fast yeah maybe i thought that it was gonna be less obvious but it was like so obvious yeah crazy kayaking the sea sea caves at channel islands just a really fascinating um, cave system at sea at uh, channel islands all along the coast you know the the ocean just batters these shorelines and creates these huge caves that you can kayak into and that was just really neat and we saw two saw sea some sea lions that just made my day you know had a, a, a little bit of a dicey time in our inflatable not getting thrown up against the walls of these sea caves by the waves when it was a little choppy uh, but it was yeah really really cool uh, we hiked on on a glacier in Wrangell St. Elias specifically route Root Glacier. Yes. Um, in Wrinkle San Elias National Park, the biggest national park, the also the area with the most glaciers, I think, in North America. I could be wrong. It's got a lot of glaciers, um, but we got to hike on one with with a guided tour. We put on crampons and uh, got to see the little. We got to fill up our water bottles from the glacier water, which was delicious and just a very cool experience. Literally. Very cool. Hiking to the highest point in Texas at Guadalupe Peak. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also, at the uh, Mexican border with the U.S., we kayaked along the Rio Grande uh, River in Big Bend National Park uh, in Santa Elena Canyon, which is the border of Mexico, but it's it, and it's just so remote and beautiful in that area. The canyon 
just lit up and it was beautiful. I'm trying to think of other ways to describe <laughs> it besides beautiful. There's really not. And lastly, visiting our 59th National Park, Denali, in itself was an incredible ad- adventure. Um, Completed a big bucket list for us. That's for sure. So I kind of realized as we were talking through these, it maybe it just sounds like we wanted to brag a whole bunch about all the cool things we did, which is probably pretty accurate. But um, <laughs> it, the point is that there are so many, you know, you go to a park, but there are so many things and opportunities and adventures to be had and experienced within the park itself um it's truly limitless what you can do within these national parks and uh, whether it's something like a really amazing drive that's you know everybody can do or it's something like kayaking or hiking uh, a huge backpacking trail there are adventures to be had Mm -hmm. and i think it's also and a bucket list is a very cliche thing to have mm-hmm. and to talk about. Uh, but I really think that having a list of things that you really wanted to do, you know, that you have you want to do in your life, it also can really guide your goals and priorities. And, uh, and it can determine how you spend your time and how you spend your money. And so I, I think that, it, yes, it's cliche, but it's also... A good cliche and it's a it's just a good thing to have and who cares that it's cliche <laughs> so elizabeth with checking off all those bucket list experiences uh last year in the parks do we still have anything on our bucket list no we're done <laughs> we're gonna sit in our apartment for the next 80 years or so yeah right uh we don't live 80 years our but our list got a lot longer interestingly enough Let's just rattle these off. So, yeah. that, these are just a few of the things that still, we added to our list. Still on our list inside the national parks. Of course, the list is so long outside the national parks, but in the national parks, uh, Canyonlands, White Rim Road, Carlsbad Caverns Bat Flight Program, uh, backpacking in Yellowstone National Park, and climbing the Half Dome. Um, also, or that's in Yosemite. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. That's another one, <laughs> comma. It's gonna be a climbing. long, long climb yeah. from Yellowstone to Yosemite. Okay, Get Yosemite, climbing Half Dome. Also from Half Dome, launching off to the John Muir Trail, backpacking, uh, the Wonderland Trail in Rainier National Park, backpacking that ninety-mile circuit. Uh, Kobuk Valley National Park, getting dropped off in the middle of nothingness Can't in, wait. in Alaska. Can't wait. And then pack rafting back to civilization. Er. <laughs> Rocky Mountain National Park, climbing 14,000, I think it's 400 or 300 feet Long's Peak, the highest in a national park, uh, besides Whitney, Mount Whitney. Um, what is else? it higher than Rainier? Yes, it is. Okay, it's the. I, I think. Uh, it's don't, just a don't very... fact check me on that. <laughs> it's very tall. <laughs> uh, 
right outside of Grand Canyon National Park in Havasu, uh, in the Grand Canyon, Havasu Falls, we really want to do. We also want to do Antelope Canyon, which is near national parks, but not technically in one. So we're kind of, we're kind of, uh, cheating a little bit here and also rafting in the Grand Canyon. That's right. That's, that's what we've got so far. There's probably more. Like, I want to go to the Keys in Biscayne National Park because we missed out on that. But that's not, like, a bucket list thing. Right. So, like we said, this list of ours is probably going to give us some great ideas, some great structure for our own travels coming up in hopefully the very short-term future. Um, And it's just also fun to talk about. Who doesn't love throwing around ideas for these amazing things you can go do in the national parks. So thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week with more national park inspiration. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. Give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.